Radio Unnameables. Bob Fass passed away tonight when I'm recording this. So, uh, rest in peace, Bob Fass. Pretty hardcore guy. If you're listening to this show, you obviously know about him. But regards to the boss. Bob Fast. Dog water. Dumbest joke that I could open up this show with. I was looking at a can of Perrier. Perrier is not my choice in mineral water. I like Topo Chico a lot, which is the Mexican variant, and it used to be independently owned, but got bought by Coca-Cola, Topo Chico did. And I'm sure that whatever real origins Perrier has, it's probably been bought a couple times itself by other people or other companies. As a kid, I really liked Perrier. I would think that I was very, very uh, cultural with Perrier. Went through my French foods and drinks period with Perrier and Yoplait. I think those were the only two French foods I could acquire at the grocery store when I was nine. <laughs> my allowance, I remember buying a Yoplait and a Perrier and feeling very cosmopolitan and probably the classiest kid in all of my suburb. And one thing I remember was my Perrier joke, which I wrote when I was 10 or 11. I'm wondering if you'd like to hear my Perrier joke. (laughs) This was my Perrier joke when I was 10. How do you make a can of Perrier into a dog? You take away its pee and feed it some tea and it's a terrier. writing that joke and feeling very, very, very intelligent, very funny. And you, the, you take away its pee. It's a pretty uh, exciting visual. Like, what am I doing to the Perrier? What does it mean to take away its pee? Am I keeping the Perrier from being able to uh, digest liquids or urinate? I've taken away your pee, or actually I'm just taking away your first letter, Perrier. I'm taking away your pee. And did I say you feed it some tea? I think it's, and then you give it some tea. So you take away its pee, and then you give it some tea, and it's a terrier. That was a joke that I wrote 36 or 35 years ago. In no way, if you walked up to me as a 46-year-old man, then maybe I didn't recognize even though I'm looking at my future self. But I wouldn't want to startle myself doing this. I don't know how many times I've actually visited my young self through time travel, which will probably be available to me in my 80s. Available to all of us. Available to either me through some weird science fiction opportunity that people tend to get in those books. Available to all of us. Perhaps through good deeds and kindness, I would hope. That would be kind of nice is that if I had done such a good deed (laughs) and you can't go into a good deed expecting a time machine 
think we've talked about time machine or time travel on this show. If you're going to be rewarded with a time travel device or a time machine, you can't go into the good deed expecting anything. That's what makes a good deed so great. Perhaps you're listening to the show and everything you do has some ultimate reaction expected. You know, like if you hold the door for somebody, that its transaction is only fulfilled if they thank you or acknowledge it. I would say that is not a fully good deed. And uh, that is the tricky thing, is learning how to do the good deed and not care. You know, I can't say that I do 100% good deeds. <laughs> a lot of times I am holding that door and if you don't say thank you, or at least acknowledge me with a smile, I feel a judgment on you. So I'm no better than anyone in that category. But I've done a couple good deeds. I don't know if we even have the opportunity to do a good deed every day. I feel we have the opportunity to do something good every day, but like a pure good deed, if they were available every day, then there would have to be some category above them that I'm referring to. Great deeds. <laughs> Super deeds. But then by the very act of ranking a deed, you're getting out of your mind there because a deed has nothing to do with you and a really good deed removes you beyond being the agent of good. You know? What's sad is I'm thinking to list a couple of good deeds I've done, but just cashing in on them right now to say, well, here's an example of a good deed I've done. Then that isn't a good deed. That's a greedy deed or a greed deed just because I'm coveting the reaction, you know? Uh, and also maybe the water that you swim in, in this uh, social network world is so, so, so fucking congratulatory. You don't even know what doing something without recognition would feel like. And that's why they're so uncommon. And I'm only talking, I mean, in my life, maybe like five or six times have I been able to do something that is immediately secret too. It's like, I don't even want to tell people that are really close to me. I'm just aware of the quality of the opportunity to be completely selfless and useful. Strangers are a great example of helping a stranger is obviously the best. And then also helping a friend, but not letting them know about it. That can feel very good. If you're a good person, if you're an asshole, you could hold it onto that. You would keep it as some sort of evidence to hold against them later in life. But yeah, I think I've probably done six, maybe less, maybe more truly good, good deeds, good things in my life. And maybe at a 10, you are of the right deeds. You suddenly are given time travel. <laughs> Available to all of us. It'd have to be more than 10, maybe like 25. And maybe I am negating my chance at getting time travel by even talking about it, that I've gotten a glimpse into that, that true, you know, true kindness gives you certain add-ons in the end of your life. <laughs> time travel is one of them. And so I go back in time to the 10 year old me writing the uh, terrier joke just had a thought what if you were to go back in time 
talk to yourself and then your younger self has been told by your parents to always call a police officer if a stranger talks to them and you get arrested as a child predator for trying just to talk to yourself. I think therapists refer to that as a self-destructive behavior. Specifically, it's self-destructive of a 10-year-old version of yourself to call the cops on your future self. So if a stranger comes up and talks to you, don't be so quick to call the cops. It might be yourself trying to tell you, hey, you know, you've written a pretty good joke. How do you make a can of Perrier into a dog? You take away its pee, you give it some tea, and it's a terrier. If I were to see my, my younger self and say, you know what? I bet you're going to be telling that joke. I bet you're going to be recording that joke. <laughs> I bet you're going to be recording that joke, young man, and distributing that joke to any number of strangers in uh, 35, 31 years. This episode of Spoken Word with Electronics is brought to you by Bresky Mastering, based in Berlin and available to experimental musicians worldwide. Bresky Mastering is a human-based music improvement service specializing in finalizing your mixes. Available to all of us. The weirder or more wonderful your work, the better. Visit foreskimastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I mastering.com for more information. I think uh, the funniest thing is that same, that same year, I want to remember this correctly, I also had a Varnet, V-U-A-R-N-E-T, sunglasses sweatshirt. I would wear it, and this was also the beginning of the first sort of counterculture identity I had, which was town and country surf gear. That led to skateboarding, but that was uh, the year, age 10 or 11, that I was trying on style. And I did that with the surf clothing. <laughs> but yeah, if I went back in time and told myself, hey, you know what, in the future, Everyone tells everyone your Perrier joke that you just wrote. Available to all of us. Your Perrier joke that you just wrote. Sitting alone with no friends, some yogurt, and a fizzy, kind of boring, uh, boring. Although Perrier was cool back then in the green bottle. I think now you got it in the can, but maybe you still can get it in the bottle. But it was more exciting back then. Perrier. <laughs> the Perrier, the Varnay, and the Oplay. That was my 10-year-old period. The Perrier, the Varnay, and the Oplay. And then I went into skateboarding and that got infinitely better. And gosh for that. But during my Perrier, Varnay, and what was it, Yoplay? Barry Agar, Varney and Yoplay, period. I also had sunglasses. Anyway, 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 anyway. Rest in peace, Bob Fass. 50 years of Radio Unnameable, if not more. This episode's dedicated to him, because it's got to be. I mean, 
invented freeform radio in uh, in a lot of different ways. You know how to turn a into a dog, a can of Perrier, into a dog. Thank you to everybody who contributed to the Kickstarter. A world of appreciation and praise to everyone who did that or told people about it or even just opened up the page and said, that's cool. Nice. Like just sort of put the energy out, not thinking uh, (laughs) it should be squashed by uh, the universe. It funded uh, its its first goal. It actually funded completely in two days, which I am so thankful, thankful, thankful for, for, for. So thank you everybody for the support with the Kickstarter. That meant a lot. For the discussion this week, I'm going to teach you how to turn a broken, broken appliance like a broken clothes washer, into an entire room of synthesizers. Got a tutorial for that. And we've missed doing Charlie Pickle, so after that we're going to do two Charlie Pickle installments for this week. You're listening to Spoken Word of Electronics. You're at episode 53. A broken dishwasher buys you a room of synthesizers. Available to all of us. (laughs) And let's get right into it. Take care.